even though we're continuing on with Moses, it is actually a whole new thrust. And it, we're calling it Moses in a New Beginning. And you may have all, even just noticing the cover itself is sort of is suggestive of something that marked a beginning point. The New Beginning has to do with the nation of Israel, the children of Israel, as they're being set free from their slavery, that they had it, it been you know, sort of uh, entrenched in for a, a number of years. Finally, freedom. And under the leadership of Moses and the hand of God, there comes this amazing deliverance. And of course, this kind of has to do with the picture of the Red Sea and the crossing of the Red Sea and how it becomes like a portal for a new beginning. In so many ways, it marks the end of what was and the start of something new. And these journeys of this new people as they transition from a nation without a real identity to being forged into a people who are being sort of trained or taught uh, reacquainted with what it means to have an identity and what it means to be to see oneself as a people called of God. It's, it, this all happens under the leadership of Moses. We're going to talk about that. You know, moving into it, and, and I think it's relevant for a couple of reasons, this idea of new beginning, obviously because we're moving into a new year, and a new year has with it all kinds of opportunity. There's an opportunity for change and growth and um, thinking about some things we might want to shift around a little bit. This is a great time. Maybe by the time we leave here, we will have thought more thoroughly about a couple of things we want to adjust. A lot of times we go back and we, we look at some things that we've been doing and say, you know, should I make a shift here? Should I clean some things up? Should I throw some things out? Should I um, set myself into a certain direction and see what happens? You know, we talk about New Year's resolutions. And I think actually, you know, sometimes people go, ah, who, who, why bother with those things, right? But actually, New Year's resolutions can be actually beneficial. You know, I was reading uh, an article, and this, was, this article actually was in the, in the Wall Street Journal. It was from the personal journal section, which was pretty interesting. And it talked about that the article was entitled, A Cheat Sheet for Keeping Resolutions. And uh, that, that immediately got me, that title. And, uh, and it, talked, it highlighted some different people who had made New Year's resolutions, and they had sort of followed them through the past year. And it was interesting to me. But I was struck by something that I was not aware of. And um, I'll just kind of read it real quick to you, this little piece of it. It says, it's no secret that the odds against keeping a New Year's resolution are steep. Only about 19% of people who make them actually stick to their vows for two years. This is according to the research led by John Norcross, a psychology professor at the University of Scranton in Pennsylvania. Evidently, they did a study on this. It says, but those discouraging statistics, now listen to this, but those discouraging statistics mask an important truth. The simple act of making a New Year's resolution sharply improves your chances of accomplishing a positive change. In fact, it does it by a factor of 10. Among those people who make resolutions in a typical year, 46% keep them for at least six months. That compares with only 4% of a comparable group of people who wanted to make specific changes and thought about doing so, but stopped short of making an actual resolution. And so the point of the article, actually, and I, you know, I, was, and I enjoyed reading it, and uh, it was fun. I, felt, you know, it was, I just feel like having a cup of coffee right now, actually, as I'm looking at it. <laughs> but uh, I, I was reading this, and I was, I, honestly, it did surprise me the research that was done. It caught me off guard. I, I had always thought, ah, what's the, you know, we make resolutions, we don't keep them. But you know what they were saying? I mean, think about it. 4% compared to 46%. That is a significant amount, a number. Basically, it was saying just by marking an intention and being accountable to somebody for it, 
even ourselves, increases the likelihood of breakthrough at least for a period of six months. I mean, that's an extraordinary number. And I, I, again, I, I was thinking about the, the Bible, reading through the Bible, because, you know, my, my wife and I, we, we decided we were going to do it together. And even something like that, that resolution to make together, we're going to try. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And this idea is that a lot of, some of us may actually feel like, you know, if we decide we want to read through the Bible, we might want to get accountable and talk, say, hey, here's what I'm doing. Here's what I'm committing to. It might be with a friend or two or in a small group. Uh, or some of us might post it. And in fact, this guy talked about how he posted it on his Facebook, and he felt very accountable at that point <laughs> because everybody wanted to know how he was doing. And so it's very, dis- uh, but again, here's the point. When we decide to do something and make a resolution, it increases the likelihood of something actually moving forward in that area in our life, 46 to 4% in this article's research. That's, a, that's an extraordinary thing to consider. So for a lot of us, this is a new year. This is a new time. This is a new possibility to make some good changes. Go ahead and do it. Make a resolution or two, prayerfully, thoughtfully. Let's go at this. Another reason why I think this series is, is on new beginning is important is not just because of the obvious momentum that's associated with the new year. I get that. But also because a lot of us are experiencing seasons of, of change in our lives. Some of us are going through transitions, even at a career level. Some are graduating out of school or will soon be graduating, making our way into the marketplace. Others have been in working, and um, some of us are out of, out of work right now. We're in between jobs. And, and um, you know, sometimes being out of work for a little bit can be actually a welcome respite, but if it goes on too long, uh, it can get actually quite discouraging. And um, you know, we start to look forward to the idea of being you know, vocationally reengaged, if we can put it that way, the idea the idea is that, you know, this was good, but now I, I, you know, some of us are having a way out, and I've been talking to uh, different ones. You know, should I, how much should I alter my, my career path? The, the idea is that, you know, this option is available, but is it the right option for me because it's going to pull me off of some, from the place that I was actually trained for? Some of those themes were actually covered in the Christmas drama as well in the meantime, right? We talk about how some of us are actually moving through these changes and these transitions, and how do we... How do we do this right. Others of us are dealing with other things. We have relational issues that are even now in upheaval. Um, perhaps the most grueling kind of change and transition occurs around relationships. They can be devastating to us. They can stop us in our tracks. They can get, and it doesn't have to be bad. It can be a good thing, but it changes things. Some of us are working through health issues. Others of us have to do with, deal with lifestyle issues that are connected to our finances. The bottom line is this is a season of great change. And as we look at this series title, you'll notice that there's a subtitle to it as well. It's called Moses and a New Beginning, but it talks about trust, transition, and adaptability. Really, it is about trust, transition, change, and adaptability. In other words, we're looking at this account of Moses and the children of Israel as they leave Egypt and begin their journey We're looking at this narrative, this history, through a lens. Just like in the fall, those of you who are here, those of us who are here, we look back on the early stages of Moses' life in the book of Exodus predominantly, and we looked at it through a particular lens. We looked at it through the lens of getting past things. 
We talked about how Moses was struggling to get past the rejection that he had experienced in the early part of his life. We talked about what an effect that had on him, how it really hindered his ability to move forward with God because he kept thinking about what didn't work in the past and why should I risk again and how much of that burning bush experience was connected to God trying to work with him to get past his past, to be open. And you know what happens with Moses is that by the time he actually does move forward, albeit reluctantly, he ends up becoming this, this huge blessing to so many people. A whole nation of people are blessed. And, and the fact is that there are things that God is going to call us to move into. And so we, we looked at it from that lens, but now we're kind of looking at it from a different lens. We're looking at it from the lens of, of transition and trust and change and also this word adaptability. is an interesting word. It's going to be the primary focus of our time that we have left here together. And, and adaptability, what does that mean? Adaptability, as we're using it, has to do with this idea of, of adapting to appropriately to situations that we may find ourselves in that were not of our choosing. So we may find ourselves in a situation that is requiring us to adapt and to fight it. To fight its reality is to ignore what is real, is to live in delusion. We must deal with it. It doesn't mean we like to acknowledge something. does not mean we agree with it or even like it. But we're not denying its reality. And so part of, of, of adaptability has to do with acknowledging a change that we may not want, nor even want to acknowledge, but we must do it. Because until we call it what it is, we cannot move forward on it. So some of us, it has to do with adapting to a change or a reality that we really don't want to have to deal with, but it is there. For others of us, it has to do with adapting ourselves so that we can move forward into an opportunity that is before us. But to get to that place, we're going to have to be open to changing and adapting to the new reality that's going to be required of us. Now, see, God, one of my, the big things that I'm going to try to suggest here and in the weeks ahead is that God wants to teach us to do a better job of adapting, whether it's adapting to a reality, an unwelcome change, or taking advantage, in a, and I mean in a positive way, of an opportunity that is before us but requires us to change and transition. How do we do that? How do we do it? God has a lot to say around that. We're going to look at that as well. So as I'm thinking about that, I would like us, if we can, to look in, in, the, in the handout or in our Bibles to, and we're going to look at Acts 7 uh, verses, actually it's Acts 7, 7 verses 17 through 22. And this is Stephen's history of the life of Moses. And what's interesting about this is that he is talking about, in the larger context, he's, making a, he's giving a message. And he's, he's tracing the history of God working with his people. But the section that he gets to when he talks about Moses is a, is a nice uh, general uh, summary of his life. And so it serves in a way, in a, in a concise way, it summarizes some of the things that we've covered. Now let's look at this together. It says here that as the time drew near, Stephen's talking. And he's saying, as the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people, he says, in Egypt greatly increased. He says, in fact, they grew so much that, you know, basically they became a people there. They went from a tribe to almost, you know, a people of a of, of million plus large number of people. But then it says a new king came to the throne of Egypt who did not know anything about Joseph. And the old version says he knew not Joseph. A king arose. And this king, Stephen says, exploited our people, oppressed them, forcing parents even to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. And at that time, you know, Moses was born. 
He was a beautiful child in God's eyes, and his parents cared for him at home for three months. But when they had to abandon him, Pharaoh's daughter adopted him and raised him as her own son. And Moses was taught all the wisdom of the Egyptians, and he was powerful in both speech and action. Now, when we overlay this very thin, comprehensive but thin account about Moses' life, and we, over, we, we place into it maybe the Exodus account and color in the lines, we're given this very large picture of, of Moses. And the fact is that Moses was born at a desperate time to desperate parents who, who, after keeping him alive for three months, devised a desperate plan to somehow give them a chance so their son could live. And we know that they decided that rather than simply cooperating with the edict of Pharaoh, that, that he had a And they couldn't keep him any longer or else he would be discovered and killed. So they thought he has a better chance of living if we do something. They all were being told, throw them, drown them in the Nile. But they built an ark, we know, and they filled it with pitch so it would float and not sink. And they placed their son, Moses, into that ark. And they floated it. And they said, perhaps God will do a miracle. In Hebrews, it says it was an act of faith on their part. That not only to defy the edict of Pharaoh, but to say, who can say, but God might do something. And lo and behold, we know what did happen is that God actually did do a miracle. That Moses, this baby, after he was placed in the river, was found and saved, rescued and raised as a prince in Egypt, an adopted son of one of Pharaoh's daughters. He was raised up into the courts of Egypt. And so the first transition in the life of Moses had to do with something he had no say in at all. A decision, listen, by his parents not to kill him. The first decision that was made was that they decided that he would live. They would try. They would do something. And so they put him in an ark in the Nile. And the second decision that he had no, no say in whatsoever also was the decision of Pharaoh's daughter to pick him up out of that river and to have him be her own, an adopted son. He didn't decide those things. He had no say in them at all. They were decided for him. That first transition in his life, he had no, no ability to dictate at all the terms. And then we know that, and, and again, just quickly, just because to get us all up to speed, I mean, we know that Moses grows up as a man of, of, of two cultures, right? I mean, ethnically, uh, from his heritage, his birthing, he was a Hebrew. His people were Hebrew. Um, and they, had, they were an, actually quite amazing people because despite their enslaved condition, they had retained... Um, amazingly so, uh, a kind of connection and, uh, uh, to, to their forefathers. Uh, they, they had um, retained a continuity and kept their identity as the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They had not lost that. And so Moses grows up realizing that he's part of a larger story. That's his people. And yet at the same time, Moses is being raised as an Egyptian, and he is an Egyptian. His world is, his world is an Egyptian world. He, his culture is an Egyptian world. He's trained, and he's educated, and he's raised as an Egyptian. That is his way of living. He, and, and that perspective of, is how he views, in so many ways, his world. In fact, when they, remember when he runs away after having slayed the, 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 the slave master who was abusing one of the, the, the Israelite slaves, he runs for his life, being pursued by Pharaoh. He gets to the land of Midian. He rescues the daughters of, of Ruel by the well. And they say, and then when they were asked by their father, who, what happened? He, they say, well, there was, 